What's up and welcome back to another episode of Sports Time with my. I'm so excited. We got a great episode on the docket for you all today. I got a chance to catch up with Michigan State high school champion. Went on to play college basketball at Arizona State, Buffalo. Get a MAC tournament title. Very good friend of mine, director of recruitment for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You already know what it is. Road Tide this way. We got a chance to interview my boy Christian Pino. So everybody sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is going to be a good one. We just had a chocolate chip cookies on the plate at lunchtime. You get that in the bagel. And like in between classes. In between classes, yeah. You get the cookie with the bagel. That's a, that's basically your lunch for real. We don't even, we hoop during lunch. Be stealing shit from there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cut like that. Whether you in a car, room, office, or tone, Morning in the morning, got to talk for all of those Sports talking, we talking sports talking I'm thinking ready to play in the Jeter fuse with Boston Alright y'all, welcome back for another episode of Sports Time with Ma We got a great, great interview prepared for y'all today I'm here with the director of recruiting Former grad assistant, working his way up, man Christian Pino of the Alabama Crimson Tide, man CP, what's up, my guy? What's going on, man? How you doing? How you doing? Bro, this is, uh, I'm doing great And this is an extreme pleasure to be with you right here today First, obviously, because we, you know, we friends And go back, way, way back But for me, it's just been great to watch your journey From where you started at To kind of where you are now And to see you during the journey Is honestly a blessing um, so appreciate you taking this time to sit down with me, do this podcast. I know this is a little bit outside of what you usually do, so I just thank you for this opportunity, man, for real. No, I, I appreciate you. I, uh, I I'm humbled that you would even consider me to be on this. So uh, I appreciate your time, and my time is for you too. Yeah, man. I guess we all got a we all got a story. I know you you kind of super super humble, so you don't really think what you did and what you have done is so impressive. So my job is to kind of take you down that memory lane so you can see all those great things you did. Um, so I think it's very important for somebody like you to start off where it all started at, and that's Detroit, Michigan. I mean, yes, sir. you started off as a, let's just be honest, a non-black dude hooping in the inner city. Like we were talking about it yesterday, you didn't play that St. Cecilia, the ACC. I got videos of you at Detroit Persian hooping. Like you've played in all the inner cities. How did that honestly, even start like what made you want to go play in non non-white leagues as a young kid so uh growing up i when i started playing basketball i was living in southwest detroit with my family we uh my family's got a mexican restaurant it's been there for like 40 years okay so in uh southwest detroit the part where we live was a predominantly the mexican community yep. but my dad saw that i love basketball and like he did everything he could to try to put me in position to like play the game that I loved and help me get better at it. And his mindset is, if you want to get better, you have to play against better competition. So we start off at the Detroit Pal League, and then I played for a fifth and sixth grade team. I was a Holy Redeemer school, and I was like in sixth grade. So as I kept doing that, um, I started advancing more and as I would advance where I needed to find like better competition and in no means am I like a crazy hooper like I'm I'm a five six guy I coach and I was a 
a walk on in college, and I, I had to, I played a pretty good high school career, but I loved it, and anything that I love, like I got to go all in for. Yeah. So everyone, like like most people, when they're playing, their dream is they want to go play in the league. Like that was my dream from when I was like three years old. It didn't happen, and uh, as I got older, I realized it probably won't happen. But that didn't change like how hard I would work and my competitive aspect with everything is like like how my dad said, if you wanna be one of the best players, you gotta play with the best players. So it kinda just started out, I started out at Pal, then I started out with Hoy Redeemer as a six, seven year old playing on a fifth and sixth grade team. Playing up. Yeah. yeah, and as it moved, then I went to a team called Power Stroke, then Everybody I'll, know Power Stroke, Biddy Fowler, yeah, Fowler, yeah, shouts so out. It was all over the place. I played tournaments with like any team and any AU team in Michigan, you name it. There's a tournament that I played with them, and that kind of just drew me to different gyms. Whether I was in the East Side of Detroit, West Side of Detroit, whether I went up to Pontiac, Saginaw, Flint, whatever there are Hoopers, Kalamazoo, everywhere, wherever there are Hoopers, and that's where we were playing. We were trying to win every tournament that we went to. And it was you and your dad for most of these things. Like I know when I first met you, your dad was always around, always with you. How important was that relationship for you, you know, growing up in the city of Detroit? Your dad was always there, y'all working out together, chasing the gyms together, chasing the best runs together. How do you think that has kind of, you know, helped and prepared you for where you are today? Man, I'll tell you this, like the the like the love that like my dad has for him just being my father was like second to none. And he used that, I think, to fuel him to be able to put me in the gym every day, make sure I'm eating, make sure I'm working out. He wake me up and work me out before school, so like that kind of like hands on approach I think helps me a lot now yeah. like, with uh, with the athletes that I work with and there's a few athletes that I like work with that have made it to the next level and um, I think just the the one on one hands on part of it it made me realize that when you're working with someone you have to show how much you care and caring isn't just calling and saying hey let's get in the gym tonight like caring is getting in the gym with them, asking them how their day is going, seeing what else they need, and like anything that you possibly, are you getting to class on time? Do you need a ride to class? Um, you had a, how was your lift today? Do we need to go a little bit lighter in the gym mm-hmm. today? Or, hey man, how, how's mom and pops doing? Like everything good? Like just basically turn yourself almost into a brother, but as like a mentor, at the same time that they can have a level of respect for you that they'll listen to the things you're trying to teach them, not only because you're qualified, but because you gain their trust and you earn their trust. And that's not something that you can just go find someone else and say, hey, I, I wanna do this with you. That like you have to prove it every day. You have, you have to be an everyday guy. And my dad was literally, like, he was an everyday <laughs> guy. Like, there were days that I was like, man, like, kind of just want to and I want to do hang it. out with my boy I don't really feel like doing this but my dad's like listen like you told me these are your dreams like I want to help you reach your dreams and it, the good part is it's never a force because like if you have to force someone to want to be in the gym it's probably not for them it's not for them already but on days where I might be tired or where I got some other stuff going on like shoot there's days where my dad had stuff going on but he put his stuff to the side just to be with me in the gym and obviously that strengthened our relationship and he kind of um, held you accountable and kept you disciplined because I think that's very important. Like you said, he was never like forced, but you had a conversation with your dad like, hey, these are my dreams. So now he says, okay, this is what you need to do to get to those dreams. You need to work out this much. You need to do these ball handling drills. Like 
a lot of times, especially now, parents and kids, there's always like, don't force your kids to do something. But like you said, my dad was always big on, if you tell me these are your dreams, my job is to keep you disciplined and help you get towards those dreams. I'm not forcing you to do it, but when you want to give up, it's my job to remind you of yeah, what no your doubt. dreams were kind no of thing. And I, I mean, I'll give credit to my dad because like he, he played basketball for fun growing up. Like he grew up in the Philippines and then he moved to the United States and like they love basketball in the Philippines and like my dad didn't have no game, <laughs> but he loved it. And so with me, he, he was watching every NBA game. He was online, like looking up like different drills and it was kind of trial and error. I've been fortunate that since I was born, I pretty much, it's been like basketball is what I've wanted to specialize in. And my brother played overseas and I had him as a bigger figure. Like when, when my dad was, uh, not, not able to be there, my brother was just right there. And yeah. then when my brother wasn't there, my dad was there. So I was really lucky cause they kind of had to introduce the game to themselves and I kind of was just put in it. Yeah. So I've been able to learn a lot and I have a ton more that I have to learn, but it's, it's not like I had to go YouTube what the rules were for basketball. Like I just grew up playing it and I kind of got to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I first met you, you was doing dribbling two, three basketballs at one time through the legs. You were shooting with the right hand and the left hand. Like all that hard work you did in the inner city, by the time I met you at Andover, you were on varsity as a freshman. And, like, we went to a school where, like, that really wasn't, like, a thing. They wanted to try to play, like, the politic role and make you go through the JV program. And, like, you were so good freshman year before the season started. It's like, yeah, like, Pino's playing on varsity. Like, how was that for you coming in as a freshman but, like, expected, like, the expectations? Was that a lot for you? So, I, I, the way I saw it is, I ex, like, I don't want to say I expected it in, like, a, cocky or arrogant way you put the work in. but I worked harder than every single other person that was there so like Kobe says all the time like and I am not comparing myself to Kobe at all because he's one of the best ever to do it but he said there are times in games where he's like why would I pass to this guy when this guy doesn't work nearly as hard as me so I was working very hard at the time and I was hoping and praying that everything went right and that there wasn't anything political that went on and I was fortunate enough to be able to play varsity games and start as a freshman. Yeah, and then life is funny. You like you end up moving on from Andover after your freshman year, sit out a year, but you end up at a great spot at Romulus, and that's such an important spot for you in your future because obviously where you are now with Nate, but going into Romulus, this wasn't like a school that was known for winning a lot at the time. You know, you guys kind of in the founding years of it. What's that? How was your time at Romulus? I mean, you guys had some hell of some players. I mean, Ray Lee, um, Wes, EC, um, Edwards. You guys had a good group of guys over there. And you, while you weren't like the five-star big star like that, you were extremely important on that team. I got so many videos of you checking 94 feet. I, I, I got you at the Breslin Center picking up 94 feet. What was that like? How were you able to find your niche, your niche, I guess, on that Romulus team when you got there, knowing that they had so many star players and kind of a system already set in? So, so I'll say this, because when I got to Romulus, they, Coach Oates had built it up. So before Coach Oates had got there, there was about maybe like a 20-year, 25-year span where they weren't very good. Yeah. And then he got there, and like year one and year two started like really – 
taking teams to the Final Four to the championships, and they uh, they had like Coach had sent a bunch of players D one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was doing. But that. Uh, before Coach Oates got there, it was kind of it was kind of quiet. <laughs> um, and when I got there, like like I said, like I worked I worked really hard, and then I got to a program, and Coach Oates had every single person working just as hard as I was, and then we were all like, you know what, we need to work even harder because we all were competing. Like I didn't go over there to play on the bench or anything like that. Like I went there cause I was like, I want to like, I want to increase my chances to be able to play in college. And like, I had moved out that way. And I was, I thought coach Oates was the best coach like in the country. Like yeah. no doubt. Like there's people that go to prep school, this and that, but like the best coach in the country, in my opinion was right down right the road. There. And we had guys that were heavily recruited, like EC Matthews, Wes Clark and Missouri, we, Rhode we, Island. Yeah. We competed every single day. And I knew that for me to play, like I had to find something that no one else was doing at the level that I could. And like West and EC, like score the ball, they like shoot the ball, they're talented. And like we were all, like, we, like Coach Oates had us in the gym 24 7. We all had skill, we all had game, but they did it at a level higher than I did. But I knew that no one was going to play harder than me. And when I tell you, like, that was like one of the hardest playing teams that I've ever been a part of, like, high school level and college so I figure you know what I'm gonna pick up 94 feet like I'm gonna make the Every other time. team the other team's point guard like I'm gonna make their like make them have the worst day possible and I started doing it and then coach Oates kind of started encouraging me he, he liked how things were going and I started doing it in practice and by the time we got to the games we've repped it out <laughs> a million drills like we we put a ton of work in so with me picking up 94 feet, that was my role. Like, I knew I was going to give my teammates everything I had. And I knew that when we needed a bucket, we had plenty of guys to go get one. But I knew that when we needed to stop, I was going to make sure I was the very first person that that other team saw that they knew that they weren't getting a bucket. Because once they got past me, they had four goons behind me that were bringing the same energy. Yeah, yeah. Really just making the point guard's life, honestly, live in hell. Like, make him want to pass it up early, mess up the whole offense, especially in – and uh, Michigan high school basketball with no shot clock. Picking up 94 feet is extremely important like you were doing because you're messing up the whole offensive protocol. So that was gigantic. And kind of talk about that run there because you guys, obviously you won in 2013, but you guys were getting there, like you said. Oates was getting to the Final Fours a couple years in a row. What's that like, getting so close and then losing in the semifinals or losing in the finals? What's that like? So, I'll say this. Winning a championship is hard because you have to win. It was six games in a row to win the Michigan State Championship. Class A, too. It's kind of just like the NCAA tournament, March Madness. You got to win six games to win a championship. So, throughout the season, we his team's barely ever lost a game. And when I tell you, like Coach Oates was scheduling the hardest schedule possible. Like he was going to Detroit Pershing. He was going to Southeastern. He was going... To Muskegon, he was playing teams in Indiana. He was playing teams in Chicago. The best possible teams he could put on our schedule to prepare us. He, we were trying to go wherever they were, and we would go play them, whether it's at their place or somewhere neutral. We want to go in there and beat them. And sometimes we, we would lose. Like when we lost to my senior year, we lost to Pershing early on in the season. We were both top 15 ranked teams in the country. They beat us. But that's all right. We 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 held on to that, and like that was the only game we lost all year. And we ended up playing them in the state quarterfinals, and we sold out a college arena 
and it was a, we won like 93-91, like one of the greatest, one of the greatest games, games ever that I ever got to like plan. So, like Coach Oates, he, he built it up because he, like how I told you, like my dad came in there, held me accountable, was an everyday guy with me. Coach Oates was in the gym every morning at 5 a.m. Like he, he was a teacher at the school, but he would have workouts at 5 a.m. like every morning. Then he'd teach throughout the day, he'd have his free period and he's playing practice during his free period. Then after school, while he's grading papers or doing whatever he needed to do, he had opened the gym for us, so we were all in the shooting guns. And Coach Oates, he, he had us six shooting machines, and Duh. while he's getting his stuff ready, everyone's getting a shooting workout in. So that basically, we had a 5 a.m. workout, we got shots up right after school, and then we practice. And like our practices, like we got to it. And I'm telling you, like Coach Oates was literally probably in there from 5 in the morning every day in the gym, and then until we left at practice. And... There were times where we'd stay and get extra working with him, or East or West, and go get another workout with him because we all wanted to be like better than what we were, and we had goals, and like it was kind of like everyone just kept trying to set one the up bar. the next dude. Not not one up, but just set the bar higher and set the standard higher and higher. And when you get to the final fours and you don't win, like it hurts. So like that's like your fuel motivation, like. My senior year, we decided, like, there's no possible way we are not winning this thing. Like, we are doing everything possible. We're leaving every sun turn. Off the court, on the court, we are doing everything we need to. And we finally got over the hump that year. And it, similar to this year, we were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But we, we lost in Sweet 16. And I still think we were the best team in the country going into the tournament. But... Like I said, winning six games in a row, different matchups, it's, it's not easy to do. So the coaches that do make it to Final Fours and then do win, like, there's something very special to say about that. Yeah, 27-1 and one that year. You talked of talking about with uh, with Romulus when y'all finally win it. Um, but, yeah, that game with Detroit Persian, I mean, y'all might have had, between both teams, around, like, seven or eight D1 guys on the court, if not more. I mean, you guys, Romulus had four guys D1. That Persian team you're playing against, Khalil Felder, Martez Walker. Um, like I said, that the competition that you guys were facing, like you said, Coach Oates going out of his way, to me is insane. But I'm over here shaking my head, kind of pissed off. Y'all practicing two to three times a day. I played varsity basketball at Andover. We might practice once a day. <laughs> we might practice once a day. Definitely was not doing no 5 a.m. shoot-arounds. I'll tell you that. So, like, to hear that another program in high school was doing the we both play in the same league, but you guys are working that much harder. I understand why we were never good at anything and how teams like Romulus and Persian was able to get over the hump, and you really got to put in the effort there. And I think from watching Coach Oates and watching how that Romulus team played, you guys all bought into the system. No you doubt. all bought into – Locking in, focusing, skip all the outside noise. Let's just control this all in-house, put the work in. And I think, like you said, Coach Oates was comfortable with scheduling tough teams and taking early season losses because he knew that down the road it's going to be better for the team and the program. Yeah, so it's funny because uh, two years ago we played, I think, four of the teams that were in the Final Four We that year. was uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston. So we played three of the – teams that were in the final four like the previous year and we beat all three of them and last year we beat I think the number one team in the country North Carolina 
and then I think Houston might have been number one or number two. Yep. And our mindset is the only way you can beat the number one team in the country is if you play them. Like you can't beat these teams if you don't play them. And so that's why we try to put the best possible teams on our schedule. And obviously scheduling in high school is a little bit different than college because there's a lot more that goes into yeah. it. But like I said, he tried to get the hardest games possible on our schedule in high school. And the, every year we're like top five, top ten in strength of schedule. Yeah. You got your ring still? Uh, my high school ring, yes. state title ring? Yeah, I have the t- ring from high school. I got the ring at Buffalo, the two rings from Buffalo, and two rings here in Alabama. So I was going to say, see, he be saying, like, I would do that much. But, yeah, you went to play, I mean, at 5'6", five, 5'7", five, probably, like, more like 5'6". <laughs> <laughs> you went to go play D1 basketball. So kind of talk about that a little bit. Obviously, you, after Rhymeless, you end up going to Arizona State for a little bit. Um, talk about that first year at Arizona State. I know you end up redshirting there. What was that environment like? I mean, you're leaving Romulus, Michigan, where y'all just won a state title. You go to Arizona State as a preferred walk-on. What was that experience like? Oh, it was it was an unbelievable experience because it opened my mind up to like so many more things in life. And back in Detroit, I've always thought, man, we got the best players in the world here. Like the best, like yeah. I'm playing against the best dudes in the world. Like I, I feel like my high school team should have been the number one team in the country just because like I see the work that we're putting in but then you go like I go to Arizona State and I got teammates from Compton I got teammates from uh, Arizona I had a teammate from Sweden everyone that makes it to those next levels they they all have that desire to do more and then obviously to get past college get to the NBA you have to have the desire to do more more. you have to work you have to have the abilities the talent so there's a lot there's a whole another step to become an NBA player, and like those are like the one percenters of the one yeah. percent. But um, when I got to Arizona, I kindly, I finally kind of got to like do things, the the same things I was doing, but I'd had to hold myself accountable. Like I didn't have my dad or Coach Oates there to like check on, seeing how things are going. Like I had to like man up, and if I wanted to get in the gym, I'm taking myself there every single day, which. I loved it because, like, me and uh, I had a couple group, like, couple teammates that we were going to the gym every single day, even after practice. Like, we were getting our, our other work in in the off season. We were playing ones and, like, skin skill work in when we didn't have our stuff. Um, and then it, it like, kind of opened my mind of, like, there's so much more, like, in life to do. And at that point, you're like, you know what? I'm not really sure if I'm going to be an MMA player. I still yeah. love this game. And I still want to play it as much as I can. And, like, the coach that I played for at the time was Herb Sendak, who was James Harden's coach, Wally Zerbiak's coach. Mm-hmm. He's now the head coach at Santa Clara. But like he, he was all over the NCAA. He's gone to like the Sweet Sixteens and Elite Eights, and he's an unbelievable coach. And he's one of the smartest men that I've ever been around. And he just he has a different style than Coach Oates. Very different style. Yeah, yes. So yes. like his approach, everything he does, and his approach has all all also been effective as well. Like he's. He's accomplished so much. And um, that year that I played with them, we had a really good team. We beat Arizona, who was number two in the country at the time. We were an NCAA tournament team. And we lost in the first round. as a 7 versus 10 seed game. We were up by one. We were playing Texas. And uh, they have the ball, last possession. They shoot, miss, loose ball. One of their guys picks it up, flips it in, and we lose on an offensive Office rebound putback. But... I was I was still happy with how the season went because 
going into it, our expectations weren't as high. Like, no one expected us to be a top-ranked team. No one really expected us to do much in the tournament. And so I was like, you know what? I was a part of something that was successful, and I made some great relationships with my teammates. And then when the season ended, I, I was looking at other options, and I was very fortunate enough that I could go to Buffalo where Coach Oates was at. Right. And he was the assistant at the time, so the head coach was Bobby Hurley, and Bobby Hurley let let me come on the team, and I was very fortunate and thankful for that. And basically, I segued from the West Coast, like Arizona warm weather, to, <laughs> to the East Coast, to the tundra in Buffalo. But I'll tell you this: I love Arizona State, and I love Buffalo. Like, the people in Buffalo were amazing. My lifestyle in Arizona State was amazing, and uh, it was basically like a very different transition. And I dropped down a level from high major to to mid major. And, there's some differences with the, like resources and whatnot, but as far as like players, by the time we ended up leaving Buffalo, we were we were beating high majors. It's crazy. Yeah. Coach Oates is last year at Buffalo. He played Arizona State and then suddenly tournament and beat him by thirty. Weird, which is the craziest thing. Like, life is weird like that. Like because of the hard work you put in in high school with Nate Oates, he he gets a title in high school at Romulus, becomes the assistant at Buffalo. When you're looking for options, he knows, like you said, no one's going to work harder than this guy. And no matter what level of basketball you're playing, a hardworking dude that's going to pick up 94 feet is always useful. And he's able to sell that to, like you said, Bobby Hurley, the head coach, is like, we can use this dude on our team. Um, and like you said, you're able to go to Buffalo, play in a handful of games, 30 basketball games on the collegiate level. To you, that might smile, sound small. Man, 30 games on D1 level, and you were part of, like you said, two great teams. Y'all won two championships with Buffalo, made some uh, March Madness runs as well, and able to take that organization to a higher level. Um, what was that time like at Buffalo, again, walking on? Like, what's the life of a walk-on at a new school? <laughs> so, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, being at Arizona State, being a walk-on, you kind of gotta, you got to earn your spot, and it wasn't like a glamorous lifestyle. You gotta do every, you gotta be on time for everything, be early for everything, you gotta have grades, you gotta be responsible. And you gotta make sure like the other dudes are going hard and when you get your reps, you gotta do something with it. And I didn't get a ton of reps at Arizona State and I wanted more. Like I, I was like going to Buffalo, I was like, man, I'm not even going here to play. I just wanna be I wanna get reps. And so um playing at Buffalo, I was the only walk on at the time and okay. and the way they practiced and played was very similar to Romulus. So like I knew how the program went and I was able to be a leader and coach knew that I was gonna do all the right things as far as like being on time, working like I, I was like when I got in a drill and I did my like I would do my job and I would do it to the point where these guys like, all right, we, like if he's gonna go this hard, we gotta go this hard too. Yeah. I was like I was basically like an energy guy and just like anything the team needed, I was willing to do. Like I have like I have no ego. Obviously, everyone wants to be a star and do this and that. I I love winning more than anything. Like when I tell you, the only other person I think that loves winning more than me is probably Coach Oates. Yeah. Like he'll do anything to win. Like at Romulus, he was the head basketball coach. He was the cross country coach to make sure we get some conditioning in. He was the janitor. He was sweeping the floor for us so we weren't playing on the a messed up court. He was putting fans in the gym so we weren't dying of heat stroke. That practice. gym was standing room only, guys. By the time Coach Oates got done, it's Romulus was standing room only. 
he was a strength, he was a strength and conditioning coach, like teaching us how to lift weights. Uh, you name it, anything from the program, Coach Ellis did, and Coach Ellis did it with zero ego. Yeah. So I, I wanted to have the same attitude, like with the team, like anything that I can do to help win, even if it, I'm not gonna score a point or get a, a steal or do this or that. If I can help us in practice get one percent better, I was, tr- I wanted to do it. So when I got to Buffalo, I got a ton of reps and got to got to battle in practice with my brothers, and that process was great because. It was the beginning of everything. Like right we had there. won in college, but we hadn't won anything yet. Or we had won in high school, but we hadn't won anything yet in college. And our first season, we were there. Or first season, I was there, which was Coach Oates' second season, and Bobby Hurley was still the head coach. We won the league. Yep. And there were times throughout the year where we we had a couple losing streaks, and we were like, "We're not gonna make tennis a tournament if we're gonna keep playing this. If we're gonna lose to teams that we're not supposed to be losing to." But it was a process that we just kept kept playing. You lose. We went back, watched the film, practice is practice crazy. Let me practice our balls off, and then next thing we try to fix it. And we ended up winning the MAC championship against Central Michigan, and they had beat us both times in the year. So going in the game, they're obviously the favorite, but like we didn't think that these teams that had beat us were better than us. Like we never. No, y'all, y'all they just were really fought, thought y'all was just losing like, some tough ones. Like we were losing, like we just didn't figure it out yet, and we were like, you know what? We need to figure out how to get more stops. How are we going to get more stops? All right, we need more buckets. Let's get stops and create us some, some more easy buckets. And during that run, obviously, like, I, I wasn't going to get a ton of playing time in the Matt tournament unless we were, like, blowing someone out. Yeah. But I tell you this, I was the best cheerleader on the bench. Like, I would, like scout report, I knew it inside out. I made sure my teammates knew it inside out. So whatever, uh, like I said, whatever we needed – I would I wanted to do like whether it was the smallest shop in the world or the big shop in the world I was down for whatever. That's funny you say that because yeah the the, the scouting report on you I remember I read in the Buffalo New, Buffalo newsletter and it was just like no one's gonna work harder than Christian Pino like in the Buffalo newsletter it's like we got I, I don't even think I saw that yeah it was the Buffalo newsletter about you is like no one's gonna work harder than this kid like this kid is gonna die for loose balls he's gonna show up early he's gonna he's gonna get water for his teammates like he doesn't. Like you said, he doesn't mind doing anything needed, anything to make our team better. Like, there was no ego involved, and that's rare, to be honest with you. Like, most guys are not that um, not that humble and not that comfortable with sacrificing their own for the team. So that's extremely big, and I promise you that I'm sure that's what Coach Oates saw in you young and was like, this is going to be a kid that's going to be special some way, somehow with me. Um, when did it click for you that – I kind of want to do some coaching, though. Like, when did you fall in, even consider grad assistant coaching and get into that side of the game? It's funny you say that because when uh, my senior year, when I, when I was getting ready to graduate, I talked to Coach Oates a little bit, and he was asking what I wanted to do with my life. He was, like, he he asked if I ever wanted to get into coaching. And I told him, I said, Coach, honestly, not really. Like, <laughs> I, had, I had a business degree, and I wanted to be some, become some, like, corporate like CEO like I had I had very lofty goals for the business world and I was always a pretty good student like Dean's List kind of student and like my uncle's a business owner my mom was a business owner my dad was a business owner at some point and I was like I kind of want to do what they're doing like they're not like my dad's not a multi-millionaire but he gets to spend time with me and like we live a great life that's good yeah everything's great and I was like you know what this like basketball I poured so much into um 
I said, I want to go to the league since day one. <laughs> but I'm 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, yeah, so I, was, I think I was just in a, a weird transition at that point because like, it's the only thing that I had ever really loved. Yeah. I was like, you know what, maybe I can, like, if you love something, maybe you can let it go. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go work and I'm going to try to just move on with my life to the next step because Buffalo is one of the best business schools in the country and you're going through all these classes, you're learning all these new things and... I was so hyped and geeked up about what, what my life could be like. Yeah. Going to interviews, going to networking events. So I go back to Michigan. I start doing operations for a company called StockX. And then shortly after that, I move and go to a company called Vision IT. And I, I worked really close with the CEO, who's a, he's a Hispanic gentleman. And he kind of took me under his wing. And he's one of, the, one of my mentors, like especially with just life advice. Okay. Um, but throughout that entire process after like so I graduated in May by the time it hit let's say like like closer to the fall winter I was like you know what I was like I miss basketball like, that's all I, like I started going to play basketball every single day I started going back to the gym just like doing individual workouts with myself just like giving myself skill workouts just like like when I was at StockX, we were in the, the Quicken Loans building downtown Detroit. So after work, I was going to play basketball every single day. Um, I was still trying to lift weights. And then a year goes by. I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. So it's it's around March, the year before I got to Alabama. I quit my job. Like I, I quit my, I didn't tell my mom, I didn't tell my dad. And I was very fortunate at the time I was living with my mom. I quit my job and I told her, I said, look, I, I just quit my job. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, mm. I'm going to go out to L.A. with Igor. And Igor was my roommate at Arizona State, my teammate. But um, he, was, he had transferred to Florida for his grad transfer year. Averaged like 14 and 9. But he was trying to like fight his way to the next level after leaving Florida. He was trying to find a way to get drafted or become an undrafted guy or just make a summer league team. Okay. So he was working out in L.A. So we were living in Santa Monica and a guy named Paul Fabrics, he's, he's really big time now, but when we met him, it was at Arizona State, he was basically charging like 10 bucks to like work a guy out and Igor was one of the guys that would like work out with him. But now he's got guys like James Harden, Joe and yep. So Igor went out there to do like his strength conditioning and athleticism and just work on his body with him. And the guy was partnered with Drew Hanlon at the time. And Drew Hanlon's one of the best uh, skills trainers in the world. He's like Brad Beal, Jason Tatum, like every, not every pro, but like all, a lot of pros. Go see him. Go see him. And he's, he studied his craft and he's so smart and so intelligent with what he does. So I basically spent a summer with my buddy while my buddy was training with Paul Fabrics and with the Pure Sweat guys. So I was watching how they were working him out. I was comparing that to how some of the stuff that I saw growing up with my dad and then with Coach Oates, like getting in the gym. So I was able to take all those experiences and kind of figure out how I would want to do things, like if I would ever be in that position. And that's when I was like, you know what? I need to start coaching in some capacity. And like I still talk to Coach Oates the entire time throughout all this. Like, Just staying in touch here yeah, and there. Like, he, like Coach, like Coach Oates always would check in on me, and I would always check in on the team. And and I was telling Coach Oates like I miss it. Like I, I need to like I need some type of aspect in my life where I'm winning or losing. 
Like I need something. That's the one thing you don't get. Like us growing up in sports, playing sports our whole life. That's the one aspect of life that's for me so hard to get is that competitive win or lose. Because even the losses, sometimes, like you said, something beautiful leaving about the losses in a win and lose situation. So yeah, I don't like losing. Like no, we don't like it. <laughs> but like you get to learn so much from it. And being someone now, I'm never in a position of like win and lose like in a game. I definitely still miss that that fight. I miss that yeah. fight. I miss that war. Yeah, no doubt. And so I started coaching at one of the high schools that I went to. It was a uh, you were at Seahome, right? Yeah. So I was coaching at Seahome. I was basically an assistant coach. Um. The head coach at the time was a great guy. He, he played college baseball, and he was the basketball coach there. And he did it because, um, like, I think the camaraderie. And he wanted to, like, see guys in the gym, kind of, like, help guys, like, find their confidence and find themselves, like, through sports. But it was a different style program ran than Buffalo and Ramos. Like, Coach Oates put literally everything he had into it. And... The team I was coaching wasn't very good. Like the kids were amazing. Like they listened to everything. Like they they loved it. They had great attitudes, great energy. But they're a lot of them were like football players and lacrosse players. Yeah. That played basketball because they they, they, they <laughs> loved it. And they had fun. Like, no one on the team had college college ambitions or college dreams. But I felt that if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be a part of this. I'm not gonna give them anything halfway. Coach Oates used to show us film, and he would go on like he'd record it and then put it in iMovie. And cut it and clip it and like today you can do all that stuff way faster. He was spending tons of time. So by the time I was there, I was doing like I was on huddle. I I would I, I borrowed my sister's iPad. I got uh, like a tripod and I was going to other teams' games scouting because like they they didn't do it at that school. So I was like, you know what? If they're not gonna do it, that's fine. Like I'm not judging anything. And the coach said, work as hard as you want. Do you need to do so? I started creating practice plans. I started showing film to the guys and. They never had showed film ever. Yeah. I've never watched film a day in my life besides from my father. Like Andover, we never watched film at Andover. So <laughs> at Seal, the coach gave me a ton of freedom, and I got to show film for like 15 minutes before practice every day. And the crazy thing is, is started seeing some change. We, yeah, we like we start seeing these kids implement some of the stuff that they're learning on film and help them get better. And as opposed to losing by 30. We were in the game, losing by, and then ended up losing by like ten or twelve, and then we would win a game that win a game or two that we weren't supposed to win. And I thought the dudes had a lot of fun, and we kind of switched practice around. We made it a lot more competitive. Okay. So guys were getting after it, like things would get chippy, guys would get excited. I felt like they really looked forward to the competitive aspect of practice. And throughout that whole year, I was texting Coach Oates, like Coach. I, like the guys I'm coaching, they're not very skilled, but they love it, and like they they're they're willing to work. And he said, "Listen, you know what our five non-negotiables are with every single program that you've ever been a part of, that I was a part of. Put those in. We have five non-negotiables. It's you have to always talk on defense, or else it's game over in practice. You have to always pressure the ball, or else it's game over in practice. You have to always be in a stance." Or else it's game over in practice. You are crashing the offensive blast and the defensive blast, or else it's game over in practice. And if you don't have the ball on offense or defense, you are sprinting the floor and sprinting the wing as hard as you possibly can, or else it's game over. And he says, if you just do this stuff, you'll start winning games 
without even your skill level or getting better talent in. Yep. And he says, he told me, I, I'll never forget, he says, at Romulus, with just that in place, we could have won 80% of our games just running a ball screen. Yep. If as long as we did our five non-negotiables. Yep. So that was what I emphasized most. And we had a lot of football players on our team, so they all wanted to go hard. So, like, we, our defense got really – like, our half-court defense was really good. Yeah. We just couldn't score the score. ball. You, you need transition <laughs> fast breaks and layups to eat. We could not score a basket. <laughs> but we – like, if we, if, we, if we scored, the other team took it out and they had to, like, play against our half-court defense – we had dudes taking charges. We had dudes talking. We had dudes battling. So like our our half court defense was good, but everything else struggled a little bit. <laughs> That's funny. So then Nate ends up doing well at Buffalo. Yeah. So same season. Same season actually, because it's that twenty eighteen year, right? Yep. And so we uh, obviously high school finishes earlier than college, and obviously we lost in the first round. And let's hold that thought right there. This is all the time we have for part one. Part two coming very soon of the sit-down with Christian Pino, the director of recruitment for the Alabama Crimson Tide. When we start episode two, we're going to go ahead and finish up talking about the transition at Buffalo and then moving into Tuscaloosa, everything that Christian has learned from a great group of guys, sending guys to the NBA and more. All this on the next episode of Sports Time with my. Suspense, but I'm finally here. Follow me here. Cause trust me, it's no time to be square. And if you really did trust me, then you would solemnly swear to pop a bottle for every banner that's flying in the air.